Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Exodus chapter 26, verses 30 through 37. And I know this is what you were hoping to hear this morning when you came to church on Christmas Eve morning. You're like, oh, please tell me how we're supposed to make the tabernacle when we come out of slavery in Exodus. I don't Anyway, there's a reason for this. <laughs> Actually, it's very appropriate for today. Think about this. There's a place in, uh, in the book of Psalms where it talks about how God knit us together when we were still in our mother's womb. And you think about this, if this is the uh, detail that he gives for the building of the tabernacle, and then he says that Jesus, uh, in John chapter 1, is uh, the, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, made his dwelling among us. And we think about this as we approach Christmas Day and the birth of Jesus. And we wonder, you know, is, does Jesus turn out just like he's supposed to? Does God have the care of detail with his creation? While we're thinking about that, we'll read this. Before I read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we thank you for your word which you've given to us. God, we pray that you would help us as we read it, as we hear it. God, that uh, you would help us to hear who you are. To help us hear uh, what you are doing, what you have been doing, what you're going to do. God, help us to take your word into our hearts and lives and be changed by it. That by your word and by your spirit, we would be made more and more even today into the people that you have made us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 26, starting in verse 30 and going on to the end. Set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown you on the mountain. Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen with cherubim woven into it by a skilled worker. Hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtain from the clasps and place the Ark of the Covenant Law behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Put the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant Law in the most holy place. Place the table outside the curtain on the north side of the tabernacle and put the lampstand opposite it on the south side. For the entrance to the tent, make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen the work of an embroiderer. Make gold hooks for this curtain and five posts of acacia wood overlaid with gold and cast five bronze bases for them. Turning then to our gospel reading. Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Well, we looked uh, at the in the children's sermon at the uh, question of who is Jesus, right? And then we uh, we saw that there were people who thought that he was just a prophet, and that there were people who thought um, he's John the Baptist. We see what Peter said: "You are the Christ, the Son of uh, the Living God." And we read in Luke 7, when after Jesus raises someone from the dead, what does the people say about him? They say, a great prophet has appeared among us. God has come to help his people. Question, were they right or wrong? Was Jesus a great prophet who had appeared among them? Had God come to help his people? Jesus was certainly a prophet and more than a prophet. And in Jesus, we do see God coming to help his people. The question of who is Jesus is central. Uh, as the children's Bible uh, that we were reading from put it, like this, this may be the most important question. Who is Jesus? And it's one that we don't answer this question and then put it away as though it has nothing to do with anything else. The reason it's the most important question is because it actually has to do with everything else. And so uh, we're going to be looking again this morning at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. And uh, we've looked at the first 12 verses. We're going to go over some of that again today and then look at verse 13 uh, specifically. We're going to read all of it. This is... uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 13. Paul, writing in the church in Corinth, says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. And now, these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, if you've been here through this Advent season, you know we have talked about this particular chapter quite a bit. And we talk about the context of this chapter being uh, the context of spiritual gifts. That this is what 
Paul is talking about with the church in Corinth, and they have the um, gifts that have been given to the church for a purpose, and yet they are not using those gifts for that purpose. And so he's talking about the gifts, and yes, here's what they are, here's why God has given them, and then he has to stop. And so starting next week, actually, we'll get back to his conversation about spiritual gifts, but he stops in the middle to say, if you miss this, you miss the whole thing. And so that's why we've taken this whole Advent season to talk about 1 Corinthians 13, uh, this chapter where he talks about love and how this is at the heart of all of it. That if we don't have love, the other things we have don't matter. Even the gifts of God that he has given to his people for the building up of the church, those things don't matter. This is, this is crazy. You think I'm making this up? Look at this. In, or maybe that Paul's making it, I don't know. But, um, but we're supposed to use the gifts we've been given, right? We're supposed to do good things with the gifts that God has given. But there's a place in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is a sobering passage. This is saying that there are people who are doing these amazing things. What were they doing? They were prophesying. They were driving out demons. They were performing miracles. You see somebody doing those things, you're like, that's pretty amazing. And they were doing it in the name of Jesus. And you go, well, that's got to be good stuff. They're doing these amazing things. They're doing it in the name of Jesus. And he says, what they were doing was evil. How is what they're doing evil? They're doing these amazing things in the name of Jesus. What's the problem? And he said, and I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. This takes us back to John chapter 15. Look at this a lot. Uh, in John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Right? And so if apart from him, they can't do... So they're doing amazing things. It's like, what you're doing counts for nothing. It is no good. Because it's not done in connection with me, in relationship with me. I mean, okay. Well, what does that mean then? How is it that we are supposed to uh, be in relationship with Jesus? What does that mean uh, to remain in him? And he, he tells us, actually. In these same chapters, and this is the night before Jesus goes to the cross. This is, we've been talking about this uh, each week as we've been looking at 1 Corinthians 13, and that's on purpose. <laughs> I want us to have this mental image. It's the night before Jesus goes to the cross that he's having a meal with his disciples, and he gets up from the table, and he wraps a towel around his waist, and he goes and he washes their feet. This is the image we need to have when we're asking the question, what does it mean to love? 
Because he says, as he does this, uh, love, mm, this is 1 Corinthians 13, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He continues to repeat that throughout the night. And then he says, uh, a little bit later, as the Father has loved me, this is 1 Corinthians 15, or not 1 Corinthians, John chapter 15, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Is right after he says, remain in me, that he finds it. Remain in my love. Um, and then he says the next verse, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So when Jesus is talking about remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Then he follows that up with remain in my love. You see how central this is? If we get cut off from the love of Jesus, then we're cut off from the whole thing. This is, we go so far as to say that you can, I mean, I hope it's clear by this point, but you can be doing things in the name of Jesus that are uh, things that are, you know, using the gifts that God has given in the name of Jesus. But if you're doing it without love, it's not Christian. This is why Jesus continues to hit on this point over and over again, especially the night before he goes to the cross. And so we looked at this, uh, and this is, yeah, we looked at this a few weeks ago, how that's how um, Paul starts chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians, is along those same lines. If you have this gift, if you have this gift, you can do these amazing things, but you don't have love, nothing. And then he goes through and explains, okay, well, what, what is this love like? <laughs> um, and this is where we get this famous description of love. Love is patient, love is kind, it is not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. That's where you could put that slide up there, uh, Jack of the... The, the grid here on love, what love is and does and what love is not and does not. And when we were looking at this a couple weeks ago, we actually looked at this is not just what Jesus talks about. This is what he does. This is how he lives. The way that we, you know, as we read through the Gospels and we see his interactions with people, this is what we see on display over and over and over again. And so uh, when asking the question, well, what does it mean to love? This is why I want us to have that picture of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Um, just a kind of pop quiz here. Did Jesus wash all of his disciples' feet or had Judas already left at that point? I don't know. So pick up the story here. Uh, so on that night when Jesus is betrayed... It's Judas who betrays him. It's one of the disciples who actually leaves the meal at some point and goes out and, uh, yeah, turns him in to the authorities who then come and arrest him and take him uh, to be crucified the next day. My question, was, Jesus, or was Judas still there 
for Jesus to wash his feet or not. He was still there. Part two of that question. Did Jesus already know who was going to betray him? He did. So did Jesus knowingly wash the feet of the person who was going to betray him and turn him over to be crucified? What kind of love is this? It's not what you see on the Hallmark Channel. (laughs) It's not the kind that depends on our feelings. It is a love that is defined by who God is and what he has done for us, and especially clearly what he has done for us in Christ. Now, oh. Um, just, I was talking to I had a dentist appointment the other day, and he was asking me if we were ready for uh, Christmas. And like, no, <laughs> he's like, "Oh, you're still trying to figure out what to say for you know Christmas Eve." And I was like, "Figuring out what to say is never the problem. It's always figuring out what not to say." There's so much. There's so much. Anyway, <clears throat> in First Corinthians 13. Paul says, you know, these are the things. This is what love looks like. It looks like Jesus. And then he says, these other gifts, they are are for a purpose. They are to be used. They are given with good reason, but they're temporary. And there will come a day when we don't need to use those gifts in those ways anymore. But, he says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And as we look at, uh, at faith and what it is to, you know, I always define faith uh, with kind of acronym, uh, following actively, I trust him. It's not just about, oh, do you believe that? But like, how are you living because you believe that? That's what faith is. Um, and you check me on that, go to Hebrews 11 and look at how it describes the people who are living by faith. Um, hope. Hope is not just optimism. Hope is actually this expectation of what God has said he's going to do, that he is actually going to bring about what he said he's going to bring about. Now, when Jesus comes in fullness, kingdom is uh, full, the whole new creation, uh, creation is restored and we have new creation, will there still be a place for faith? Following actively, we trust. We trust him. How, how does? Yeah, there is. But you remember when um, when uh, Jesus was raised from the dead, and uh, there was Thomas who's like, "I'm not going to believe unless I see." Right? Seeing is believing. And then Jesus shows him his uh, scars, and he says, "Ah, he believes." And and what does Jesus say to him? Yeah. Uh, you believe because you have seen, blessed are those who have believed and have not seen. And so, do the people who see believe? Yes. Do the people who don't see believe? Yes. They both believe, but there's a difference, isn't there? And so there will come a day when our faith will be sight. Will we still believe? Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> It'll be different, won't it? And the same thing with hope. I think there will still be things to look forward to, but it'll still be the same kind of thing where we are, um, we're seeing uh, what's right there uh, to come instead of waiting, waiting, waiting like we are now. What about love? See, it seems like faith and hope will still continue, but will in some way be changed, will be uh, somewhat diminished. What about, uh, what about love? When you are away from your loved ones, do you still love them? Yes. <laughs> when you are together with them, do you love them? <laughs> I ask you this before everybody arrives for Christmas. Uh, of course you do. And in fact, uh, very often it's the being together that... Uh, that actually enriches love. As we mentioned last week, uh, you, you can't hug a Zoom call. You can't hug FaceTime. So now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. There's a place in the book of Romans where all three of these get mentioned. Faith, hope, and love. This is dangerous territory, though. I'm going to try to read this and then just end, but it's going to be really hard to not just keep reading the rest of the book of Romans to you. So anyway, now you know. This is uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Where Paul has been talking to the church in Rome about what God has done for them in Christ. Um, oh, Sorry, there's one thing I've got to mention before we do this. Um, this is going to talk about God's love being poured into our hearts. And uh, when we're talking about having the love of God, and when Jesus was talking earlier about remain in my love, what are we talking about? Jesus constantly, you know, what is the greatest commandment? It's love God and love others, right? It's both. Vertical, horizontal. When we talk about the love of God being poured into our hearts, is that the love that God has for us? Or is that the love that we have for others that is like the love of God? Which one? Great question. It's both. This is why we see Jesus talking about if you remain in me, you remain in my love, that uh, the, what's connected is love for God and love for others. This is why Paul says it's indispensable that we have this love of uh, the love that looks like Jesus. This is what love is. This is what love does. And then uh, you can look at 1 John 4 as he uh, spells it out more, but anyway. In Romans 5, he's talking about uh, what, has, what God has done for us in Christ and then says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. 
and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the love God has for us. This is the love that we are to have for God and for each other. This, as we have mentioned before, is clearly not optional for Christians. It is actually how we are to be known as Christians, how we are to be identified as Christians. It's because we love like Jesus loves, no matter what else we're doing. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. God, we thank you for your word which you have given to us. God, we pray that you would help us in uh, especially this season to remember why we celebrate it all. God, we pray that you would help us uh, in the same way that you formed You formed your son to be like us. I pray that now you would form us to be like him. I pray all this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.